We are going to energize the country. We need to wake up and smell the coffee. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Another future is possible, but we've got to fight for it. Order! Hello and welcome to the Debated Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Will. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Joe Jervis, who is the director of a new group that has been set up uh, in relation to the Labour Party, a new internal uh, Labour group, Labour Renaissance. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Hi, Will. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, So the first question uh, that I'd like to ask is, um, what made you uh, decide to become involved with this group to set this uh, group up? Well, um, this group's we've been thinking about it for a fair few months now, probably actually more than a year since we uh, since we lost the since Labour lost the 2019 general election so spectacularly. Um, and I think uh, Renaissance is, is almost kind of you know 10 years overdue, if you like, um, because if you look at the way the Labour Party has performed in the last four elections um, and our struggles to really connect. Uh, with people across the country, um, I think we're due uh, a kind, well, we're due a renaissance, so to speak. Um, and uh, I think the the uh, the fact that we've uh, particularly struggled in the last election, the last two, well, last two or three elections amongst um, voters in the towns across, uh, across the country, um, where we've uh, really gone backwards and um, become really, unfortunately, a party uh, mainly focused or, or winning votes from uh, graduates in the cities. Um, I think we we really need a group within the party that is actually going to say, "Hang on, this is what we need to do to reconnect with those uh, those towns and communities across the country that feel that Labour has moved away from them." Really, it's not so much about them moving away from Labour; it's about uh, those about Labour moving away from those communities and those communities not really sh- being sure what or who Labour stands for anymore. And it's not about one leader. Um, it's about uh, the direction the party's taken as a whole. Um, although uh, I think in the last election we saw that a particular type of politics um, of the left was particularly uh, damaging and particularly uh, kind of put people off uh, the Labour Party. Um, but it's not really about one person, one leader. It's about the movement really reconnecting uh, with, with those communities and us helping Keir Starmer to do that. It's, it's all about helping Keir Starmer uh, reconnect with those, particularly those former voters we're focusing on first, those voters who could who, who kind of want to vote Labour or have voted Labour or feel they could in the future, but they just don't feel that they can um, at the moment and they haven't been able to do for the last few elections. So we'll be going out to those voters, reaching out to those voters um, through kind of outreach projects, um, but also delivering our, our findings to to Labour uh, HQ, if you like, uh, leader's office, mm. in, a, in, a, in a hope that we can be useful um, to, to finding out more about those voters and, and, and coming up with ideas, really, about um, the kind of future of the country, not so much specific policies, but the direction that, that the country needs to go in um, to really kind of appeal across, uh, across different parts of, of, uh, of Britain. Mm. Um, you talk about the uh, direction of the uh, party um, there, and uh, I, I think certainly um, that's one of the analyses that has dominated as to why um, Labour did uh, so badly in the 2019 election. A lot of people also say that Labour's stance on Brexit um, in 2019 and then prior to that alienated a great deal of voters. Do you think that Brexit was a factor in um, the 2019 result for Labour? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a factor. Um, 
a kind of mix of a feeling from people. I mean, we've been doing, I should say, um, a series of focus groups and we'll have a report out um, in September uh, looking at what we found by talking to uh, kind of dozens of, of, of Labour former voters. And, and, and Brexit certainly certainly came up. Um, there was a, a desire, though, um, to kind of look forward and recognise that that we are, this is kind of the, the point to begin the the next journey and we shouldn't keep looking back um, and kind of regretting this or regretting that. We need to talk about the kind of positive um, post-Brexit future that Britain has. It does have a positive post-Brexit future. We can argue about whether it'd be more or less positive uh, if we were still in the EU, but we do we do have a positive future of the country and we've got a lot going for us and, and Labour needs to, to be talking about that rather than going over old ground. But yes, you're absolutely right that uh, the issue of, of, of Brexit was coming up partly because people didn't know what our policy was and partly because if they didn't know, they didn't like that we were back in a second referendum. So um, I think that's, yeah, I think, I think that that is an issue that we're, that we, we need to move on from, from the, for the party. Um, but I think the, I think the overwhelming feeling is that Labour shouldn't be looking back at that. Uh, Labour should be, should be looking forward. Mm. Um, uh, one of the things um, that was highlighted um, by Stephen Kinnock when he um, was discussing uh, this group uh, with Labour List is that uh, the group wanted to highlight sound and sensible management of the public finances and um, that people um, the group had um, spoken to were concerned about uh, overexposure to imports from countries uh, like China and the collapse of the, the manufacturing sector uh, in Britain. Do you think that really the main focus for Labour should be looking at those um, economic failings, whether it be Britain being overly uh, dependent on imports from other countries and not producing enough ourselves? And do you think that that is the kind of like the crux of where you'll be able to get some of these uh, red wall voters uh, back to the Labour Party? Yeah, I mean, I should say that this is not so much about trying to um, listen to certain parts of the electorate and essentially just say stuff to you know to win them over this is about talking about a kind of bigger picture story narrative direction of travel whatever you want to call it for, for the country and, and and how we talk about where we want to go and i think um you've hit on a good point there around britain not making i mean rachel reeves has talked rightly about britain not making enough not selling enough um, not not buying British not, not buying enough British project uh, products. Um, so I, I think that's that's absolutely the right way to go. I think there's a, a bigger story in this around um, the rise of China and uh, the need for for Britain to to stand on its own two feet. And that that doesn't mean um, that doesn't mean that we don't work with our international allies. We're still an inter- internationalist party. We work. Mm. Uh, with, with our with our democratic allies, um, and we you know we team up where where we need to and where it benefits them and, and us. Um, but actually, we 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 should recognise now that it's not particularly healthy to have um, so much uh, Chinese money in our critical national infrastructure and our energy, you know, our energy and, and so on. Um, and that that that's a potential place for for concern. So so I think the key is um, yes, we do need a more uh, realistic and less ideological approach really to to uh to kind of trade and open borders and so on um and just be realistic about what what else is happening in the world i mean i think you know open borders open trade i mean we still support of course um foreign direct investment and, and open trade i mean that's that's very important but we're talking about you know kind of critical national infrastructure here where we need to be, get a bit wiser a bit smart 
And I think there's a, there is a bit of a fear out in the country around that, uh, across the country. Uh, and I think that the, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, that is, that is an area that we will be talking about because I think the, if you look at what globalization has done to, um, unfettered globalization, I should say, has done to, to towns across England and, and Wales, I'm sure parts of, parts of Scotland as, as well, um, in terms of, uh, really kind of, you know, job, jobs disappearing, the jobs that do come in, uh, uh, you know, the, the, manuf- the good, well-paid, unionized manufacturing jobs that disappear are replaced by, by kind of service sector, you know, jobs, which, which aren't particularly jobs that, that many people really want to, want to do the kind of low, you know, the, 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 um, the kind of call center jobs and Amazon warehouses and so on. So, so I think there's definitely an appetite in the country without looking back at old industries of the past and going backwards, actually looking forward to new kind of high tech manufacturing and, and Britain being a leader. And, and, and that's definitely a place we want to be in terms of a, wanting a kind of manufacturing renaissance, if you like, um, a, a, across um, industrial parts of, of Britain. So, so that is a big one. And you, and you, you touched on um, the idea of sound financial management. I think, I think it's um, definitely true that, that labor is still unfortunately i mean we know this from just talking to people but the that the, there's still a big worry that we still haven't quite got to grips with the fact that we need to be focused less on complaining about austerity and more about how we're going to get value for money in public services how we're going to use taxpayer money um to get the the, the best we can possibly get um you know across, it, it's not about you know decreased in spending or being pro-austerity or anything like that, far from it. It's about saying, look, we're going to invest, but this is why, and this is how much money we'll save in the long run by investing in education or investing in services that um, might not be the kind of NHS frontline services that we all see uh, for ourselves, but the, the behind the scenes services. So yeah, so uh, both those points that you just made are, are absolutely spot on in, in terms of in terms of where we think we need to be as a party and, and Renaissance is a part of the part of the labor movement which i think is is best suited and is willing to really stand up and make those arguments mm. um, now uh, w- one of the other uh, big issues uh, that a lot of people have um, been talking about and has um been a feature of the um of, of by-elections that have occurred recently including the, the chessman amersham uh, by-election is housing and the amount of housing yeah. that's built uh in britain and where it's built um what do you think the Labour Party's approach to housing has to be? Because, of course, there's a big argument about um, not just where there should be uh, more uh, housing, but what kind of housing uh, it should be. So so, so what do you think uh, Labour should be focusing on relating to that uh, very uh, hot-button issue of housing? Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, I should say that uh, Renaissance hasn't done too much specific policy work on housing uh well hasn't done any specific policy work on housing yet um and i can't claim to be, to be an expert but um i do think that uh obviously any housing that's built needs to be needs to be quality housing and, and built for long term i think this this points to the, the point of um the kind of proving that investment is worthwhile and showing your workings in terms of where that money's been invested how much is being invested, um, why we need quality housing, uh, and um, yeah, and basically pointing out to, to, to why we think that's, that taxpayer money has been well spent. And I think if there's, if there's one, uh, one kind of public sector focus where you can argue that 
that you need investment um, and of course work across, uh, partnering with business is a massive part of of, um, of, of what Renaissance wants Labour to do so you know working with the private sector to create the conditions to, to build those houses and and, and so on is, is is absolutely critical and we should that is an area really where we should be able to uh, win the argument for proper sound investment um, and actually take on I mean local communities always have to be consulted but really kind of take on the the kind of the kind of weaker arguments about you know why why housing in a certain area shouldn't be built I think it's important we're on the side of, of recognising this is a massive problem and, and wanting quite you know, uh, bold solutions, bold but credible solutions to the problem, and and, and putting our, yeah, basically, um, yeah, basically putting out plans and and uh, and really going for it and promoting them. Um, now, I mentioned um, the uh, Chisholm and Amersham by-election there, and this year we've had three uh, by-elections: uh, Hartlepool, Chisholm and Amersham, and Batley and uh, Spen. And um, with the the latter two. It seems that um, the results of those elections demonstrate that there is perhaps uh, a weakening of the, of the so-called uh, vaccine bounce that the um, Conservatives uh, seem to benefit from in the local elections and in the Hartlepool um, by-election. Do you think that um, the way that Labour is perceived uh, now that people might be a bit more open to hearing from the Labour Party now that the, the, the vaccine bounce is uh, subsiding and um, with other things uh, related to the government which haven't uh, perhaps shown them in a, in, in a positive uh, light for voters? Sure. Um, well, I think uh, it's a bit, yeah, it, you know, it's very messy at the moment with us coming out of going to kind of stage four of the roadmap. And um, I think people are starting to see that the, the Conservatives haven't really got a strong plan. They are divided on it. Um they they don't yeah they don't, they don't know where to go and you know they've got we've got part of the party sorry part of the country uh, pulling one way and more kind of um, cautious route and then other parts of the party being a uh, yeah saying look we just need to get on with it um, other parts of the country saying that so I think the yeah I, I think it is it's becoming more difficult for them and of course the other change um, is that Keir can get out on the road uh, and he's going around uh, parts of the parts of England. Uh, at the moment, uh, we was last week that that uh, that had fallen to the Conservatives in the last election, and really having good conversations with with former voters and and, and you know and, and doing a good job. So I think that you know that that is something which is uh, which means that Labour are getting an ear. I mean, I think this this thing is that you know the Tories struggling is only one half of the story. Labour needs. To Prove that it's got an alternative, you know, an alternative, or at least that it's that it's you know credible as a as a government. I think Keir will continue to do that um, over the next you know six months once he's once he's out on the road a bit more. And I think that's what Renaissance is all about, helping him to to do that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, but I think you're right that there is a. I mean, the vaccine balance is still there certainly, but it's. But I think I think I think on the on the um, around the England football team issues. Um, about them failing to support the England football team taking the knee. Uh, I don't think I don't think cultural issues, by the way, are as big as the the kind of uh, the economic stories that we need mm-hmm. to tell, which I think still are what people in this country tend to to vote on. Um, but I do think that that the, the Conservatives have shown themselves up to be, you know, playing these games and playing these culture wars and um, 
around uh, around racism um and i think the public you know the public aren't stupid they're starting to see that a little bit i'm not saying that they're, they're turning against the tories and their numbers but they are they do think that the tories are on the wrong side of that so that's probably made a little bit of a hit but but um i think the, the big the, the the big deciding factors will be how uh, how the conservatives perform over the next six months in terms of um getting us um through kind of stage stage four of the roadmap and and how the economy uh, bounces back yeah, something else that um, has uh, perhaps been a, a, a factor of uh, discussions of uh, late, uh, particularly um, recently, is uh, the relationship between um, Britain and uh, the EU. There have been um, uh, rows in the newspaper r- relating to um, uh, migrants uh, crossing the English Channel and uh, Priti Patel paying £54 million, uh, to the French government in order to uh, supposedly... Uh, tackle uh, uh, gangs who are um, uh, facilitating uh, the migrants crossing the channel. And we've also seen uh, the government uh, attempting to um, renegotiate the um, Northern Ireland uh, protocol because of difficulties uh, relating um, to Northern Ireland and the uh, EU and the rest of the UK. Do you think that going forward, this is an area that Labour should um, perhaps pay more attention to in terms of some of the... uh, costs of Brexit, not necessarily saying that um, we should re- reverse the result of the referendum or saying that, you know, uh, we should rejoin, but perhaps pointing out some of the difficulties that the uh, government have uh, gotten themselves into relating to Brexit. Sure. Yeah. And I think we should be putting pressure as much as possible on on Johnson to sort out the, the mess that he's created, and, you know, and, and point out that, you know, you know, we don't want to go back and renegotiate the deal, but we do want to make the tweaks, and we do want him to make the tweaks are necessary to it. And also point out that, you know, it was he was promising this to be the, you know, the great, <laughs> fantastic deal, and and so on, and you know, and, and then you know, and he hasn't delivered that. But but I do think you know, there is a, there is a a balance need you know need, needing to be you know a line that needs to be. Uh, uh, a tightrope, if you like, loose to be walked in terms of like making sure we point out these things, but also showing that actually we're not trying to to, to open up old divisions within the country um, between Remainers and Leavers because that, that's not what we want. So, but you're, you're right. I think I mean I think we should be pushing um, Boris, you know, to say, look, come on, you, you knew what you signed up, so you knew what you signed up for. Go, you know, go and sort the problem out. Um, on, on the immigration. Um, it's, or, well, it's uh, the border crossing specifically. Um, I mean, I just think it's shameful that, 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 that Priti Patel is constantly, you know, trying to create Daily Telegraph headlines, which mm. are just kind of, you know, one-liners, whether, you know, we're going to have a, um, you know, all refugees on an island in the middle of the sea or, you know, whatever ridiculous policy it is, just, you know, that's getting leaked to the papers to try and make the, the government look strong on on this stuff or, you know, um, tough, but actually they haven't got any kind of plan whatsoever. If she was more interested in, if she was creating a, a proper plan, uh, you know, rather than actually just trying to, to, to go with these kind of very, very right wing really he- headlines around um, the kind of possible non-solutions, um, then I think we might be, be getting somewhere. I mean, she, you know, there's a few, I mean, look at, look at foreign aid, for instance, we're cutting foreign aid. Why can't we, why can't we kind of channel some of that money to to supporting uh, those uh, refugees, if we want to, if they are refugees, to um, which in many cases they are, to to, to support uh, those people in those countries, those children back where you know where, 
where it is they're traveling from and you know it's a real it's a real there's a real case of foreign aid not just for helping the most vulnerable which is very important but actually for national self-interest to to support the the places that that, that need support um and to you know to not create a situation where people are risking their lives on these on these dangerous channel crossings they feel like it's their only hope mm. um and also going after the 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 people doing the smuggling rather than targeting the, the refugees themselves. So um, I think the, yeah, I, I think that, I think if the, the government got its head down on that stuff, I, I do think people will start to see as, you know, there is continual failure to sort this, sort this issue out. And the, the, the kind of the, the real kind of um, uh, kind of dog whistle um, ideas that are coming through from Priti Patel um, are really kind of not, are not, are not going to cut the mustard and, and people will see through that mm. uh, because no. after all, well, you know, if, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a, you know, if you're, it doesn't matter if you're a, a kind of um, patriot or an internationalist or, or both, mm. um, you know, that, you know, great, you know, great Britain's traditional role is to have been, to have been to support the, the vulnerable, to lead by example. And that's, that's, you know, that, that's what makes many of us proud about our country that, you know, we haven't always got everything right by, by any means, but but we actually have a role to play in the world, which is kind of leading by example. Uh, and uh, under this government, I don't think we're doing that on, on this issue or, or many others. Mm, absolutely. Um, do, do you think um, as well, because another uh, facet of the um, uh, pro post-Brexit uh, political uh, landscape is uh, the government attempting to um, build closer relationships with um, the United States and the Biden administration, seemingly unsuccessfully um, so far. But do you think there's an opportunity there for uh, the Labour Party to learn from the Biden campaign in the 2020 uh, presidential election and also to um, build stronger links with the Biden administration to show, look, with the alternative to the government we're hoping to form the government after the um next election we want to build uh, stronger connections with you yeah i think it's a fantastic there's already some you know work going on behind the scenes to connect um yeah to, to, you know to, to build those connections and build those relationships uh, i think a lot of what biden's been doing has you know been really encouraging how how bold he's he's being in you know, from different issues, from 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 climate change to his approach to to, to kind of workers and jobs, um, and I think there's a real opportunity, particularly on this on this uh, on the issue around uh, good work and jobs. I think um, I think uh, a big part of Renaissance's work. To already keep coming back to, to what we're doing, but on the uh, we really want Labour to become or to to show itself to be uh, a party of primarily work and good jobs, hence our name, hence our historic mission. And um, this idea that uh, that we really, I think John Crudders used this on your show the other, the other week and Biden's used it as well, this idea of good jobs that you can raise a family on mm. um, is a fantastic phrase which, which really kind of encapsulates um, what Labour and the Democrats really need to be about um, uh, cr- you know, creating those the, 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 those good jobs, those opportunities for people wherever they are across uh, across Britain or whether it's across the US, um, not just in the major cities, um, and, and kind of deal with the productivity crisis that we've got, and and really and really kind of bringing that dignity at work um, kind of aspect. And I think that's an area where I think Labour could really lead the way with Biden 
in creating that narrative, which isn't, which is still pro-business. We work with business to, to create jobs, work with business to create the jobs that are going to power Britain forward. Um, but it, it, but there is a, you know, there is a narrative there around the, the, the kind of lack of dignity in, in, in some of the newer jobs and new economy and uh, really supporting workers and supporting families and, and, and driving that good job, good jobs renaissance. Mm, absolutely. Um, looking forward um, to uh, the next election, which may be in 2024, it may be um, soon. Uh, what uh, main things do you want to see the Labour Party uh, focusing on at the next election? Not perhaps necessarily um, individual policies, but in terms of the themes that it's um, projecting to voters and the sort of like the, 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 the themes of the, uh, the election campaign. Well, I think this idea around um, uh, really, well, I think Labour, first of all, needs to show itself to be the natural home of working families uh, once more. Um, And that's not to say that we don't um, respect and uh, believe in in a welfare system that supports people who can't work or or who are. uh, who who have fallen on tough times and you know and, and don't have a job at that, at that moment in time, but we should we should be absolutely focused on making sure work pays, making sure uh, the, the wages are high enough so that you can you, you know you can raise a family, you can pay your, your rent, and, and obviously that fee, and the rent issue connects to the housing question you asked earlier, Will, around um, you know around uh, sorting out the housing market and. And so on. Um, so, but I think that. But I think this idea, primarily that that we are a party of of good jobs, um, it should be the, the main focus. And, and you know, the truth is that the Tories, you know, they talk about creating jobs or whatever, but they they're not never really. They haven't really shown themselves at any point. I don't think they will to want to um, support the, the the work. They they love flexibility. In the, primarily, they love flexibility in the labour market, right? So, mm. so they're not actually going to worry too much about the, the, the high percentage of, of British adults who don't know their working patterns for a week Monday, um, which is a big problem if you're trying to, you know, um, manage your family life or, or manage your social life. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of insecurity, that lack of, or, or kind of um, lack of control, lack of power over your, your work situation. Um, I think that is something that's come up when we spoke to people around it. The, the pendulum has swung far too far away from uh, employees over the last 10 years. Um, so there's that dignity piece, but there's also the job creation piece. And you touched on this earlier when you talked about Britain extending its own two feet. We need to be creating the jobs that power Britain through the next century, those green jobs, but also supporting those foundational timeless industries that aren't maybe aren't as, aren't as sexy but like things like steel, which steel, you know, steel basically makes our infrastructure, you know, uh, it's critical for defence, um, critical for, for other, you know, large parts of the economy, you know, cutlery in our kitchen, you know, the cars we drive, smart cars of the future. So we need to kind of make an argument for, for really uh, creating and uh, jobs, creating the right type of jobs that are going to, going to, going to empower us through the future. So I think that's a real focus. And I think that, in the context of the pandemic and rec- the recovery and the new economy, the way the pandemic will never to be changed, the, the shape of the economy, um, I think we need to be on top of that and ahead of the game on that and talking about the future of work. Um, and if I was to pick, yeah, if I was to pick one thing, that would be it. And, and, and also the security point that we talked about earlier um, around a Britain that can 
that can can better stand its own two feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're coming towards the end of the podcast. It's been great to have you on, Joe, and I've got one uh, final question. We we touched upon COVID uh, a little bit earlier, and also we uh, spoke about the uh, easing of um, restrictions, though, of course, a lot of people are still uh, nervous about things and things are far from uh, fully back to normal. But when things are uh, fully back to normal sometime in the hopefully not too uh, distant future, what one thing that you haven't been able to do uh, because of the pandemic are you most looking forward to being able to do again? Uh, me personally, yeah. um, well, I'm quite looking forward to going on holiday, uh, to be honest, Will. Um, I've been quite, I mean, a lot of my hobbies are uh, playing football and cricket, which have already already started up, sorry, uh, already. So um, I'm quite happy to be able to get back doing that. But just, you know, being able to, to, to especially go on a, well, she can go on, um, on holidays at home. I've enjoyed, enjoyed some of my holidays around England, actually, and because of parts of England that you wouldn't have necessarily been to if it wasn't the pandemic. Uh, I really enjoyed that. But I think, yeah, getting, um, yeah, maybe going to, for a kind of break to a, a sunny beach in Europe when you can be sure of the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the thing I'm most looking forward to. How about you? What, what about you? Oh well, yeah, I think a, I think a holiday would be uh, something that I'm very much uh, <laughs> uh, looking forward to being able to get out in the world again and not to have the uh, the kind of worries that we've had uh, because of the pandemic would be uh, would be fantastic. Um, if people want to find out more about um, Labour uh, Renaissance, where should they go to find out uh, more about you? Uh, Labour Renaissance.com org.uk is a website uh, if you just google labor renaissance uh it should come up pretty quickly um yeah and i'm pleased to uh, anyone listening please do sign up to our mailing list and, and support us and um, we're asking people to do a bit of uh research if they don't mind to kind of help labor those who want to help labor, labor become <coughs> become uh well electable again really um uh to, to yeah to kind of join in join in with our research and just talk to a couple of people who formerly formerly voted Labour but uh, haven't recently. Um, and yeah, you obviously don't have to do that. If you haven't got time, do just sign up to our mailing list um, and keep in touch with us. And uh, yeah, looking forward to a few events over the, uh, over the autumn and uh, our first report coming out at the beginning of September. Fantastic. Well, thank you once again for coming on the podcast, Jeb. Thanks, Will. Much appreciated. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed it, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbeam and Amazon Music. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Debated Podcast, like us on Facebook, Debated Podcast, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, whether about appearing on an episode of the podcast or commenting on an episode that you've listened to, you can do so at thedebatedpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you listen to the next one.